This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, Season 2. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Susan Melsop lives independently in Hamilton with a visual impairment. Her life is rich and full, but as is the case with many of us, the pandemic has put a bit of a break on things. But Susan faces even greater challenges under COVID as a person with a disability. I visited her in the suburb of Chartwell to hear her story. Um, well, I guess my life is very different. It's changed quite dramatically. Um, I'm very much at home um, because I need to have access to buses and things like that to go out. Um, and I'm very nervous about the bus because you don't know who's on the bus. Um, so yes, I, I guess in some ways I have become quite, quite isolated. Um, thankfully I've got enough brains that I can figure out things to do. You know, I keep myself busy all day long. Um, I've had to rely a lot on friends to take me places when I've had appointments and things. But I really haven't been outside Hamilton much for two years. Um, I had a holiday just before COVID arrived in 2020, I had a four-day or five-day holiday. And last year, I sort of grabbed a space in May to go away to Wellington for five days. Apart from that, I've had one day's outing to the beach with a friend, which was my first visit to the beach in about 10 years. Um, and the rest of the time, I'm home. So if I do go out with a friend for lunch or something, we make sure we go somewhere where there's space and air and you know hopefully we can sit outside and that sort of thing um because i am quite nervous about getting covid mm. like everybody else that's i know mostly we've all got some sort of underlying health conditions because we're getting older so yes i guess my biggest thing is i can't travel overseas because my dream in retirement was to continue the traveling i'd done for the previous 10 years so for let's say 15 years ago i started traveling and now I'm stuck here and I've still got a list as long as my arm of places that I want to go. Um, and I'm having to come to an acceptance that that might not happen. Oh no, nothing stops me. I tell people the only thing I can't do is fly a plane and drive a car. Everything else, I try and you know make sure that I can actually do. Um, I've had four big overseas trips, each one of about six weeks. And a few smaller ones. I took my daughter to Singapore in 2018. And I've been to Australia extra a couple of times. But I've done four big trips to Europe and Britain and that sort of thing. I don't let my sight, or poor sight, hold me back. I think people can go, people can do things. There's nothing to stop me. And I've really never actually had an accident. I've stepped off a few things into fresh air and ended up sort of 
go sitting down on my haunches to, you know, make sure I don't hurt myself or fall over. Um, I do miss a lot of things that other people can go and see and do because it's not so easy to even get outside the cities overseas. Um, but yeah, I just, all I've wanted to do all my life is travel. And twice I've booked trips to Russia and have twice they've been cancelled. So I've given up any dreams. So now I just watch things on TV <laughs> mm. about Russia and that sort of thing. So, yeah, but, oh, no, I write. I do all sorts of things. Um, nothing stops me. But COVID has certainly brought my um, exuberance and my enjoyment of life back. You know, it's drawn it back in and it's been difficult to, to carry on living the way I'd like to live. Mm, it must be because given that people in general are having um, problems at the moment, not being able to live their life to the fullest or what they usually used to, mm. to live it to, but then you would have extra restrictions that effectively are preventing you from yeah, doing what you want to do. Well, that's right. It's just, it's just shut my life down, I guess. And that's why I try to do as much as I can. But I am so weary of it and I take the proper precautions and I think that's probably in some ways holding me back a little bit too because I don't want to take any risks. Um, I've just had my booster and I was being sick. This is the first day I've actually been able to get up and get moving properly. So yeah, even trying to be sensible and have the vaccinations and things has not helped either. Um, so yeah, my life is very restricted. In fact, I've barely been out of the chart wall. You know, when I do go somewhere else, I think, oh, there's some more of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it existed. And that sort of thing, I'd forgotten. You know, it's, it, it, it is very sort of encapsulating your life into a very small area. I'm just lucky I live in a reasonably good area and i close to the shops if I need them. So, yeah, my life has... Um, I actually have an intellectually disabled daughter who lives just over in sort of Woodstock. And idea services have actually screwed them down so tightly that um, I barely saw her. I missed a birthday, all sorts of things. Um, and when I have seen her, I've preferred that she goes back in case there's a sudden lockdown. And she ended up getting stuck here and couldn't go to work and couldn't do her artwork and things like that. So, yeah, I think everybody has had some sort of difficulties. But for me, I can't just get in the car and go and pick her up and say, come over for a couple of hours, we'll go out for lunch or something. You know, it's a, it's a, quite a mission to organise and to work my way through the rules that Idea Services have had, um, which have been extremely strict. Um, so, yeah, I thankfully don't have family in Auckland, so I haven't had to worry about it. I have friends in Auckland and I haven't seen them, one that I haven't seen for you know, since COVID arrived. Mm. Um, I had intended catching the bus, or not the bus, the train up. But I think that's all been put on hold. I'm a bit nervous about going to Auckland, although the, the numbers seem to be dropping. And, and, and even in the big shops like Mitre 10, I had to go to Mitre 10 the other day when I went for my vaccination at the base. And everybody's wandering around with their masks below their noses. Mm. Well, I'm sorry, what's the point in wearing one, you mm. know? Mm. It seems a bit silly. Because the other thing I find is it's difficult to find the QR codes. Yes. There's no set place, like, you know, they should be, we'll say, on the left as you go in, t in the door of a shop. Well, 
half the time I can't find it. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> half the time I can't find it, and people just say to me, "Oh, it's over there." That's not helpful when you can't see it, you know. And some places I've gone, there's been queues waiting outside the shop, and I don't know where the queue begins and ends. And so going shopping has become extremely difficult. I only go when I have to. I go and get my groceries really early in the morning because there's a supermarket just over here at Chartwell. And that's about it. Unless I have to go and buy something, I just have not been shopping. It's frantic sometimes when we're entering a shop, um, trying to find the queue. Like, where's the back of the queue? I want to stay a metre away from the person. And jostling all around the place but yeah. then for you it's a whole other kettle of fish well that's right i've got to find the end of the queue and not the beginning yeah and when i went over to the base the other day to the to the vaccine center i was actually really interested because when they saw me in the queue i followed a man that got out of the lift with me he said are you going for you know a vaccination i said yes we stood in a queue of about 30 people but when the staff saw me there with my guide dog they came and got me and took me through. I didn't have to wait for anything. They just made sure I was who I said I was. And then they just took me straight to the front, come in, have your vaccination and go, which I was impressed by um, because that doesn't always happen. Um, people don't take any note of the fact that somebody's standing there with a guide dog. Mm. Um, and I have found that people actually have less tolerance at the moment for anybody that has any kind of disability. They sort of people have got very angry and very short with people, and I've found that you know I'll go over there or it's over there or do that, and I'm thinking well actually you could tell me it's to my left or my right or you know that sort of thing, um, and people for some reason seem to think I don't hear well, mm. so they come right up beside me. I can't get people to stand back and say I can hear you, I just can't see you completely, so. Um, yeah, I find shopping very difficult at the moment, so the money stays in the account. <laughs> mm, and it's a basic thing, shopping. It's a basic necessity. Well, that's right. Sometimes we have to go and get something. So that's sort of made it a lot more difficult. You know, I've either had to get someone to take me, um, and thankfully I have a group of friends who will say, if you give me 24 hours notice, I'll juggle my time and be able to take you somewhere. Um, I've had the occasional, can you please take the dog to the vet with me, that sort of thing. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I've just literally stayed home. I find people do have less tolerance. Mm. And instead of saying, oh, what a lovely dog, they're saying, oh, you've got a guide dog, or get out of my way, or, or something. And people won't even move over on the footpaths. They just walk straight past me and don't sort of try to social distance. At the beginning of the last lockdown in August, I was the one stepping off the footpath and walking on the road because they just wouldn't get out of my way. Um, now that we have to wear masks all the time, well, I can I just carry them a hand and if somebody's coming, I just put it on to walk past them. Um, but, yeah, it's not easy. Like, you are disabled more. Oh, yes. Under, under COVID. Hmm. Yes, because definitely. because of the way society is acting. Yes, that's right. And I'm not saying it's everybody. You know, some people are great. People in the supermarket are quite kind. You know, but the general public seem to be 
very again a lot of things at the moment. And I've just been reading a thing online about these new tests that you can do, you know, these rapid antigen tests. And the disabled community is saying they're not accessible for the blind and vision impaired. And other people are saying, well, can't they just take a photo of it and, and send it to someone to read it for them? Well, then as somebody said, what about their privacy? Mm. They might not want that person to know. Mm. Um, there's so many little things that people are sort of totally unaware of. Even the F-Post machines, you know, they're covering them all with plastic. So someone like me, I need to feel the keys and I need to feel that dot on the middle of the of the F-Post machine to know where the middle number is. You know, they put plastic on it. I haven't got a clue. I can't find the, sorry, I can't mm-hmm. find the, um, whether it's check or savings or whatever, because it's all covered in plastic. Mm. <laughs> You're back in. <laughs> Although I have a lot of things on my phone that talk or do other things, when I go out, I don't want my phone talking my private information to other people either. Mm. So I just tend to actually take my glasses off and put it under my right eye because I can see what I'm looking for then. So, yeah, in some ways it has also removed our ability to have our own privacy over all sorts of things. And the one thing I said at the beginning was it was great that when we showed the vaccine pass that they'd say, thank you, Susan. But then I've realised my birth date and all sorts of things are on it. So again, there's a level of privacy has been removed. Instead of just looking at it and accepting it, they're, you know, seeing private information. Yeah, I love technology. I've got technology all over the house. But um, again... That hasn't been the easiest thing either because the Blind Foundation wouldn't allow the staff to visit for a long time. So if something didn't work properly and we couldn't figure out ourselves how to fix it, um, we were stuck. And my computer was dying so and I needed a new computer. One, I couldn't go and get one because everything was shut at that time. So I just had to limp along <laughs> until... I could go and buy one and then they could come and help me set up with all the special software and everything that I use. Um, so yeah, it's had a lot of a lot of impact, I think. Um, I keep telling people, aren't we lucky this isn't a war? But I guess it is a war, isn't it? When Susan's previous guide dog retired, she applied for a new one. But that turned out to be extra difficult. After waiting 20 months, she received a phone call to say she had been matched with a new guide dog. Unfortunately, that evening, Auckland, where the dogs are trained, went into a snap lockdown. She had to wait another month to meet Maya and was not meant to tell anyone she had been matched with a dog. I mean, the philosophy with disability, as you p- would probably agree with, is that it's society that disables the individual. And you sound like a very, very able person. Like, you you are actively trying every opportunity you've got to participate in society. But walls are still being placed up for you. And uh, you... you uh, you, if anyone, deserve support to help you to engage, mm. but um, you're not getting it, as you suge- s- said before, with the Blind Foundation not being able to come and visit. Mm. There was a big gap where they weren't allowed to come and do things, and when they did, they spent ages catching up. 
So that that has made it difficult for a lot of people. I had several friends with guide dogs, you know, and they were all waiting for help. Um, guide dog services couldn't come. If we had a problem, it had to be done on the phone or by email. Um, and when they did come, it was everybody was masked and they had to walk a long way behind us and that sort of thing. It has made having a vision impairment quite difficult over the last couple of years. And although there has been huge gaps when things have been normal, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid it's the gaps when we've been in lockdowns are the ones that stick in our mind because that's when things stop being so easy for us and, you know, being productive becomes very difficult and being a part of general society becomes very, very difficult. Um, I mean, I did a master's thesis on disability, so and I've worked for CCS Disability Action as a um, a researcher, most mostly researching accessibility and transport accessibility. Um, so I'm fairly sort of well versed in in how things can disable people, um, but when it's yourself, you don't always sort of jump on the bandwagon, do you? You have to just carry on with your life. You get disarmed when you are affected by the disability of society preventing you from doing what you want to do or what you intend to do. Well, that's right. I mean, for the first time in ages the other day, I got questioned going into a restaurant. I was going with a group. I actually write for Seasons magazine. Oh, yeah. And we, were, we had a luncheon to discuss what we're going to do this year and that sort of thing. And as soon as I arrived, the chap said, you can't come in here with a dog. And I said, yes, I can. <laughs> he was quite unaware that I'm very assertive about getting a dog into a, into a cafe or a shop or restaurant or whatever. Yeah, I said, he'd, I, you know, he'd have to go and ask the manager. Well, the manager must have said, oh, yes, you know, that's, that's okay. Um, but I found that quite disconcerting because I've been out so little, I hadn't had to face that much mm. lately and it was the first time that I'd been questioned in a long long time so I guess also the staying at home and not mixing with people has meant that the things I would normally be very assertive and very upfront about I've lost practice doing. Having worked with CCS and done your master's thesis mm. about accessibility uh, you will have been mindful of the plight of um uh, people with disabilities in society for for decades, um, yeah, and then now this is a this is a whole new thing that's come up with COVID. Well, that's right. I mean, I've got an intellectually disabled daughter. She's in her forties, so I've been dealing with organisations, being proactive, standing up for family. And then it became me that I had to stand up for myself for a long, long time. But this is like somebody's turned the lock on our lives mm. and we've just had to stop and accept what these organisations say and what they will do for us. And as I say, it's not just me. I'm in regular contact with several other vision-impaired and blind friends and we're all struggling the same. One has just moved and she can't, at this stage, get anybody to come and help her navigate her new area. Um, partly, I suppose, because they've just been on holiday. But, um, you know, it hasn't been easy because they're also trying to protect... All these organisations are trying to protect their staff as well as, you know, the clients. Um, 
a lot of people can't think of the future much at the moment. No, but... and a lot of people don't know how to occupy themselves. Mm. That's what I've noticed. I mean, if I'm not writing, I'm listening to music, reading, and knit, which people think is weird for a vision-impaired person, but mm. a lot of blind people are wonderful knitters. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep myself very busy and very occupied. I try to walk the dogs early in the morning at the moment because it's so hot. Um I have a garden. I do have friends come and visit, and we sit here and chat. And one really good friend has taken me out quite a bit. We've been out sort of uh, ice creams at the Berry Garden and places like that. But that's the limit. You know, we I can't do much else. Um, the dog's not getting the work that she should. You know, when the shops are shut and everything's shut, well, all we can do is walk around the streets. You know, she's trained, go and find the, go and find the supermarket find the lift, um, go to the chemist, um, go to the doctors, whatever. Well, none of that happened for so many weeks, particularly here in the Waikato. We were locked down a lot longer than, except for Auckland, I think, a lot of other places. Because mm, um, we're next, next door to Auckland. Auckland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had to, I've had to work very hard to get her going again and to doing the proper things. Right, so she's gone about... She's rusty. Lost, yeah, she's rusty. That's the right mm. word. Yes. And I'm just really getting her back to full-on working now. Um, but really, they've got nowhere to go. When I took her to the base the other day, it was wonderful. You know, we could use the lifts and walk around the street and find this and do that and stop at the pedestrian crossings. And she perked up no end. Mm. But then I arrived home absolutely exhausted because I hadn't done it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's another downside, you know, there's these highly trained, valuable dogs and they can't be used as they should be in a lot of circumstances. So, Again, with you being um, at home more of the time and you saying you made use of uh, technology um, to help you, um, yeah, what sort, of, what sort of technology? Well, I use Alexa a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my own specialist talking book machine. Um, I have a computer that is set up with a lot of extra things. It's very got big screen and very large print on the screen. Um, I've listened to a lot of talking books. I've listened to podcasts on my phone. I download podcasts. Um, I just make the the best use of everything that I that I have got to sort of fill my days and to entertain me. Um, because I didn't have my computer working properly for so long, I had to really be careful how long I used it for and then turn it off as soon as I finished. Well, now I can turn it on in the morning and do some writing, go away for a while, come back and do some more and not worry that I'm going to hear a big bang, you know, because the computer's died again. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I suppose I've just made use of what's available and listened to a lot of talking books downloaded things that I possibly wouldn't have previously downloaded. Um, while my, as I say, my iPhone and my iPad will talk, I don't do that all the time because I sometimes get confused and then the whole thing freezes on me. Mm-hmm. I really need some lessons more in using voiceover and that sort of thing. Um, I love Alexa. Alexa. I use Alexa for lots of things, download recipes, all sorts of things. Um, the time for when I'm watching the garden... You know, I just say, you know, set an alarm for 20 minutes and then I go and move the sprinkler. Um, I think my life is probably more ruled by technology than a lot of people's. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a new sound system there. 
Um, so I've been listening to lots of music and digging through all my old CDs and listening to CDs too. So, yeah. Mm. I've just kept myself busy using what technology I have available to mm. me. Now, you say that you probably use technology more uh, than people in general, but... I mean, that's exactly the same usage of technology that my household makes, you right. know, my, me, my wife and my daughter. Right. Um, but for you, it's the entire, it's your day. Well, yeah, that's how my life is run. I have friends that haven't got a clue. They haven't got mobile phones. They haven't got anything. Nothing. No, no laptop, no iPad, Nothing. I don't want it. They don't belong to Facebook, which is a great thing for me because it keeps me in touch with a lot of groups and people and things that I'm interested in. Um, I've gone back on Twitter since we've had been in this last on the lockdown, but I'm very careful who I follow because I don't want to get told off yeah. or, or, you know, had somebody have a piece out of me. Um, yeah, I mean, so most, of the, most of my friends use technology very, very, very little. Um, I recently helped an elderly friend that were going into digital phones, things, digital landlines. She didn't even know what it meant, you know. And so I had to help her. We had to sort out getting a, a, a landline phone. We had to disconnect the old landline phone, which I hadn't seen one like that since the 1970s. And then it took three days, not full days, but three days of going around there to get this thing going properly um, because she couldn't do any of the setting up herself. I couldn't see the screen on the phone. Uh, but I was the only one that had any technology knowledge and knew mm. how to get this sort of thing going. I tell you what, I was so stressed. <laughs> I was absolutely stressed at the end of it. She bought me a box of chocolates, but I think a good sleep would have done me more yeah. Um So, yeah, people tend to call on me to fix their little bits of technology and things that they don't understand. But most people I know have... They, you know, one friend's been sending me something online that that um, is in some different format. And I said, why don't you use Microsoft Word? Oh, well, this thing pops up and says that I should be using this other thing. And I said, it's spam. <laughs> don't, oh, what, I almost want spam, you know. Yeah. Um, Again, you, you are at, like, an the able and knowledgeable end of the disability community yourself like you're part yeah. of the disability community but you you have the the knowledge and the wherewithal and the experience to to be able to actually um make the most of this situation but then there are uh, doubtless hundreds and hundreds thousands of people in the Waikato who are living hermit lives that's right and that always worries me. It always bothers me. I think, why don't people become proactive and make their own life worthwhile and valuable? Why do they wait for somebody to come to them and say, this is what you should do? And I know that it's very difficult. No organisation like the Blind Foundation or anybody will come to you and say, this is what we offer. You've got to know what you want. And that was something I remember years ago I found out when I did my thesis. You know, these people I interviewed said, nobody tells you what's available. But surely if you've got an issue like, I, don't know, I want to get a new phone, you should go and ask. 
and ask for help. And hopefully that's where people start getting involved. But I've even had people at meetings say to me, oh, you do so well and blah, blah. I said, well, you could do just as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikatoa. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.